Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione. And before we dive into this episode, if you're looking for a training plan to help you crush your next race, allow you to progress in a safe way while also making great progress and ultimately fit the goal that you're looking to do in your next ultra, I recommend looking at Zach Bitter's pre-made training plans, which he has personally curated at zachbitter.com forward slash training hyphen plans and Zach has curated tons of different pre-made training plans for the distance of your choosing whether it's anywhere from a 5k all the way up to a 100 mile ultra marathon and he also goes on different time blocks that you want to train at so whether it's 12 weeks 16 weeks um, whether you're a beginner or an intermediate or an expert ultra runner he's got plans specifically tailored to you and your goals and Zach has been my coach for about two years now and he programs everything super super um, meticulously and proven by training principles that are going to allow you to progress so totally recommend it so go to the link in the show notes or zachbitter.com slash training hyphen plans and find your next plan for your next race. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And let's dive into today's episode. Oh, also, if you're looking for free ultra training tips delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis, and these are tips that are actionable, backed by science and proven to help you increase your performance and training as an ultra runner, then feel free to subscribe to the totally free everyday ultra newsletter, which will have training tips from me delivered in your inbox every single week. You can head to the link in the show notes to subscribe. And again, totally free and you get free extra training tips every single week. How cool is that? All right, now for real, we're getting into the episode here. Thanks so much for listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super stoked to bring back this amazing guest on the podcast. And so we did an episode with him a while back ago, and he's known as one of the kings of FKTs. I mean, the list goes on and on and on when you look at the list of FKTs that you that this guy has had. And we went deep into his story, his why why he does these things on the first episode. And it was super inspiring. So uh, I'll put the show notes, uh, the link to the episode in the show notes for you to listen to on the first episode. If you want to know the, why our guest today does what he does. And I'm sure we're going to go into the specifics of why he did the challenge that we're going to be talking about today, which is the Rocky mountain grand slam. So just to give you some like statistics on this, right? So he completed the Rocky mountain grand slam in 39 days, 23 hours and 44 minutes, which that alone is super long, but what does that really entail? It is completing 120-22 peak Rocky Mountain mountains out there in under 40 days, um, exceeding a three-peak per day average. And these are mountains that are not just only rugged, treacherous, 
incredible <laughs> steep terrain, but also at very high altitude, which comes with its own risks of weather and pulmonary edema and to- so many other roadblocks and just simply hiking up a mountain. And our guest today accomplished that challenge in between the time that we had our first episode and where we're on today. And recently is coming off of that as well. And I'm, I'm so excited to dive into the the hows, the whats, the whys, everything about this challenge and get to chat with my good friend, Jason Hardrath. Jason, thanks so much for coming on, man. Excited to have you on the podcast again and I appreciate you taking the time. And dude, congrats again on an amazing accomplishment, man. I'm stoked to dive in. Thanks so much, Joe. That was a all-star intro. You just, I mean, man, way, way to make a fella smile. Thanks so much. <laughs> dude, well, it's it's so easy to craft a great intro for you like not only from what you've done like from an accomplishment perspective but just the guy that you are like we were talking about before that it's so much more than just doing stuff in the mountains for you and I got that fully when we first chatted and just hearing your story and everything and so I'd love to maybe just start there and talk about like that why that deep why behind the Rocky Mountain. We're gonna we're just gonna dive right into the deep stuff, right? Like let's uh, let's just dive right in because you're great at this. So I do um, I do good in the deep end. I do you okay do. in the deep end. We're, we're, we're plunging right in. So so tell me the deeper why behind the Rocky Mountain Grand Slam and and what really inspired you to take this on. Oh man, I mean, well, you hit a a bit of it in the intro, just like uh, something that. I've realized even more profoundly about myself even more recently is I do to teach. I, I become so that I can inspire. I climb so that I can lift others. It's, it's that process where it's always about stepping out into the, the grand unknown, the big experiment, the, the supreme adventure, but then circling back with what I have. And it's like, I've been doing this with my students for decades Right. I mean, for those who can't see any video, like I'm sitting with 150 bib numbers on the wall behind me in my PE office. Like I have been circling these stories of going out and testing self and and running these experiments and testing fitness and going to new places, having adventures and telling those tales to kids for for over a decade in my career now. And it's like, oh, you know, that's the same like that doesn't just have value to kids. That's, that's a value to, to all of us. That's a value to our communities to, to bother, to step back from what we do and say, well, what was the wisdom I can rescue from this? What is the knowledge I can rescue from this experience and bring into the presence, into the forefront of my community's mind? And it's like, that's become more and more important to me that it's like, oh yeah, like I'm going to go out and do this thing, but it's not about doing the thing. It's about what I do with the thing when it's done. And, you know, opportunities like this to, to have a chance to have a conversation with you and chances to get on stage, chances to talk to my students, showing, you know, showing films like Journey to 100 and, you know, maybe tease a new one that's coming out later in this episode. Um, it's like that's a big part of the why, you know, it's it's beyond the self. And then, I mean, it's not to say like there isn't that like I don't it's like some people would call it selfish. I guess you could call it that. But it's like growing yourself doesn't just benefit yourself. It Mm. benefits every future person you ever interact with. So if you bother to put yourself together to be able to take on increasingly difficult loads, increasingly difficult adventures, whatever it might be, right? You could be taken by art. You could be taken by adventure. You could be taken by the spirit of so many things and just be animated with an energy to push yourself in that domain. 
when you bother to do that, it's, it's not just making you better for selfish reasons. It's like you have more to give for the rest of your life. And that, that's not nothing. That's not just selfish. And so like, yeah, there's this journey that I go on with these things where I do choose things that it's like, whew, you know, this is going to take me, this is going to take me to my edges. Like I'm going to have to study hard. I'm going to have to do a ton of logistics. I'm going to have to plan for things going wrong. And man, you want to talk about stuff going wrong. The Rockies, Rocky Mountain Grand Slam, the Rockies Grand Slam. It was just like, every time I kept waiting, right? You, you know, you talk like people who hike the PCT who do long trails, they like talk about like getting your trail legs. Um, after, you know, it's like you get a couple weeks in and then you kind of get your trail legs and then you're just a machine. I'm like, okay, like some rough, some rough stuff happened in life beforehand with health and with relationships and just life was kind of spiraling around me. And I really struggled to come in as fit as I wanted to be, but I was like, okay, like I'm going to just stay the course stick with it through the hard times for the 14 days that stuff gets really bad. And then I'll, I'll drop into a groove and like stuff will be good after that. The groove never came. It was like, every time Mm -hmm. it felt like I was going to drop into a groove, it's just like, and explosions, chaos. Um, and I can go, I can go deeper into that, but I mean, in a way, right. It's like, that's what life is like, right? The deeper why you want to talk about the deeper why, stuff is always coming in unglued in life around us. Problems are always needing solved. There's always setbacks. There's always pains. You never know when something is going to go horribly wrong. And it's like, that's what we're putting ourselves together for, to be ready for that. And, Mm. and that's definitely a part of the deeper why, um, pursuing these sorts of things. Dude, I, I love that, man. And it's, it's, so many great nuggets from there and i there's like a thing uh on this recording thing where it's like you you make like highlights of like great things i was just slamming the button on that being like <laughs> like that was fire that was fire and i think that a few things i definitely want to recap like i know you mentioned like I think the general perception when it comes to like endurance sports is like on the facade, it can seem like it is selfish to your point. But when you become something more and something that is a better level of yourself. You have more to give than others. And I love that to, at the forefront of what you were saying and, and doing and everything like that. And also too, to that second point, it's a teacher for life for you to handle these tough situations as they come up, right? Like I'd love to hear how you handled like the, the, the difficult situations and everything that kind of came up because especially when you were expecting, you know, things to, to feel good and go into that groove, it must've felt like just a punch in the face just to, continually deal with those kind of things coming up and, and talk to me about that. Like how, like how do you manage those? Or, or I guess like maybe give us like some insight into the story, because I think it's not just the physical fitness that gets us through these challenges. It's how we deal with the problems that came up. And it sounds like there were tons and I know because I was following along the entire way, but <laughs> give us, give yeah. us the, the, the deep dive on those, uh, those problem management situations. Oh man. Um, let's see here. Let's try to do a, a 30,000 foot flyover of 40 days of my life. Um, so even before I start, so, you know, day negative two or whatever, (laughs) I end the school year having my students having gotten me sick. So it's like gnarly cold to the point. I'm like wondering if it's COVID, um, just feeling gnarly, but the Calabra permit in Colorado, for those who climb the, the Colorado 14ers, that's like, you're locked in. It's like, you pay your 150 bucks, you get your day, you don't show up, tough luck, try again next year. Oh, wow. Um, so it's like, I'd booked that peak to be first because I wanted to work south to north, um, starting down in the bottom of Cal- Colorado and finishing up in Montana. 
Um, it seemed with the locals that I uh, did the logistics with and the strategy and the tactics on this with, it seemed to make the most sense to kind of work south to north this year. Um, it also made sense on a level of Colorado's peaks are kind of low commitment. I mean, yeah, they're the tallest, but as long as you're able to push hard and fast, even on the big link up days, you're always back to the car at the end of the day. There's mm. no like backcountry commitment where it's like, oh yeah, everything has to go right for three days in a row or everything has to go right for mm. two days in a row. And you're back there committed, carrying your gear and Wyoming and Montana are much the opposite. It's like they are full on and committing um, where you're going in and it's like, you better bat a thousand for 30 peaks or bat a thousand for 27 peaks. Um, otherwise you're going all the way out and you're coming all the way back in. So it's like, okay, Whoa. start with the taller peaks, um, kind of get the training legs under me, just doing 14 ers day after day, and then transition up to the more high consequence, um, logistical situations. And so I start off sick, right? Like I've done all this planning. I understand the, the lay of the land and how to move the pieces around how the different peaks and peak link ups can, can act like chess pieces in this big match. Um, and I'm starting off sick day one, gnarly sick, just awful. And from there, like I take off feeling sick and my heart rate just like skyrockets through the roof. So I spend day one, I think I did five peaks on day one and there, when my data loaded at the end, I think I had a heart rate above 170 for somewhere around six hours of the day. Whoa. Um, just absolutely toasting myself because my body, I don't know what was going on, whether it was the altitude or the combination of sickness in the altitude. Um, and normally I don't have problems at 14,000 feet. Like I've only had problems with altitude overseas, working on bigger peaks, bigger projects. Um, and so just out of the blue for the first time ever, maybe it was the stress of the school year and the stress I mentioned from life that kind of threw me a curveball um, and trying to manage all that before stepping into this big adventure and just being in a state of being stressed out already and sick um, that made me susceptible. But yeah, day one, just open with this just gargantuan push with my heart rate, just like 40 beats per minute too high. And so the spend the whole day just kind of like suffering. And it's like, okay, well now what's the cost down the line of day one opening like this? Like there's not going to be a zero cost, you know, a day from now, two days from now, three days from now. Um, so yeah, of course I feel just absolutely worked for the next few days too. The heart rate kind of comes down a bit, but absolutely worked. And then promptly after that, uh, high altitude, I started for the first time ever again in the States, high altitude pulmonary edema symptoms. I'm coughing bits of fluid up every time I'm above about 13,500, 13,200 feet. And so it's like, you know, I, I, I manage that, right? That's a high risk thing. Like that's a, that's a medically significant problem. People get evacuated from mountains because it kills people. Yeah. Um, so I'm like weighing this. It's like, okay, today I'm going to be up here above the mark that seems to trigger it for this amount of time. As long as I'm moving like this, I'll be below. I'll just kind of pay attention to the symptoms and it goes away each night once I get back down to sleep. So it's like, okay, like I'll keep playing this game, this Russian roulette, like go up, get, get a bit sick, come back down. It goes away, go up, get sick, come back down. It goes away. So it's like, okay, now I'm playing this Russian roulette, but it's like, I'm kind of thinking like, all right, as long as I keep getting down to sleep each night, eventually my body should catch up. So now I'm mm. sick. Now I'm altitude sick. And then my feet fall apart. And normally like I have bulletproof feet. That's one of the things that made like the Bulgers project in Washington. So possible is everything's so wet there that normally people's feet just come completely unglued. Um, and normally my feet are bulletproof. And here I am like 
three days into this and I've got raw arches, raw toes, um, raw balls of the feet. So it's just like every step hurts. So I'm sick. I'm altitude sick. Every step is hurting. Um, so it's like stuff is just like layering. And now I'm just battling to like try to tape my feet up, try to keep moving, try to stay on pace, try to make smart decisions about when to do a longer link up versus giving myself like more doses of getting low in between individual peaks. So I'm like trying to play this chess game to like maximize my possibility of keeping moving forward in the face of the suffering. And right as that starts to kind of remedy where my feet are like kind of coming back together because I've been taping them, the altitude symptoms, it's like, you know, maybe they're not subsiding at this point, but it's like, I kind of have the pattern down that it's like, okay, it's not getting worse. It's just mm-hmm. kind of staying the same. Like, mm-hmm. okay, like we're, we're not going to end up in the hospital. Cool. And the sickness is kind of starting to go away or the head cold portion is at least getting better. And then a key crew member who'd committed to supporting me for three weeks, like 32 hours into jumping in, he'd trans transitioned with the other person who'd committed to like 11 days. Um, and 32 hours into helping me, he's like, dude, this is too much for me. I'm out. Whoa, and bails on just me. Bailed. And so, and so I have to like scramble instead of like sleep and you know, all that I have to scramble to find replacement, like someone who's around, like reach out through all my networks of people. Like, is there anybody around so that I don't have to suddenly be going in self-supported style where not only do I have to make the mountain pushes, I have to stay awake to do the driving as well. Um, so now it's like, where do I fit the sleep in? Um, so suddenly just made, you know, key crew member bails and I scramble and within a couple of days, find a replacement, um, and, you know, manage to get through those days. And, then we continue on and like, you know, the feet start coming together. Uh, and then the next thing that happens is the van breaks down. Rear axle gets like, ripped oh my loose, um, and has to like have to get the whole rear end, like remounted. Um, and then promptly after that, a second crew member bails in the middle of a key backcountry push and just blows the whole backcountry push apart in the whole, like a bonus 17 miles out carrying camp. 17 miles back in to go get the leftover peak. So a total of 34 miles extra round trip. Um, so that happens, um, get that wrapped up, kind of get it, start to fall into a little bit of a groove and a rhythm. And then my feet come apart again in the final push through Montana. And I'm just like trying to push and beat these storms. Oh, I forgot the other storms. Like I get stormed off of like literally like elect static electricity buzzing in my hood. Like, you know, like when you used to play with a blanket as a kid and, you know, make the static electricity, like shoot to your fingertip or something. And you can like feel that little static pop, um, like that, but like in my hood and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm the ground right now. I'm the ground (laughs) wire. Like the electric current is going to come to me. And I just go bounding off this ridgeline during, uh, the decalibron link up in, in Colorado. So that was obviously pretty, pretty traumatic. Like to like, be like, that was close. Like I was in it. Um, and then had a couple other smaller thunderstorms pin me down with hail and things. And so here I am in Montana. My feet go completely raw again. I know I'm racing the storms. It's like I've got to do this like 28-hour nonstop push, um, just trying to like stay on pace with my feet completely raw to like beat these storms. Um, yeah, it was just like one thing after another, after another, after another, um, where it was just like, okay, you carried that burden. Here's another burden. Okay. Now this person is abandoning you. All right. And now carry this. Um, and the whole project, like, you know, you step into these things like the Bulgers project. There were some human elements that went wrong with that one. There was some nausea, some sickness where I couldn't eat for like three quarters of a day. There was a couple of days I didn't have crew support. 
where I had to solve stuff on my own. There were a few like days where human elements were like the crux of the day, but by and large, those mountains were the crux because those mountains are so hard to access and so full on. You know, with this one, I came into it. It's like, okay, a lot of these mountains have trails, unlike the, the Bulgers mm-hmm. in Washington. It's like, these have trails. Like, you know, there's a lot of these. I'm not going to have to do any rock climbing. It's just like steep trail or steep off trail. Um, so it's like in my head, less serious. Right. But it's like every amount, it was less serious in the mountains. The human element got cranked to 11. It's mm. like, okay, like that mountain felt pretty fun and reasonable. Guess what? Now solve this when you get back. Um, and by the way, you don't have skin on your feet anymore. Um, so it was just like one thing after another, uh, to make this project come through to the end. That is So I knew you were dealing with like 50% of those things. I didn't know the whole other 50%, which just makes it even more like just, I'm trying to wrap my head around just all those problems. Cause I think even to the key thing, as you mentioned, like you were already going into this sick and had like a lot of stressors going on in life. And for most people going through that kind of situation with like, because usually, right, like when it comes to like endurance events, I know I've had times where I've had just my life be super stressful and I'm like, this is like my haven, like my my thing that I get to enjoy out here, but you get into it and it's just even more stress and chaos and all those kind of things. And I think it can be easy to be presented with the stuff that you were presented with and just say, screw it, this wasn't my time or this wasn't my attempt or, you know, I don't want to deal with this kind of things. With each problem that came up, what kept you in it, right? As things progressively started to get worse, what was, how do you have your mind stay oriented to keep going beyond just, you know, I want to complete this thing and do this thing, right? Like kind of going back to that deeper thing, like what do you tap into in those moments when the problem is presented at you that keeps you moving forward despite having just a shit storm just like kicking up in front of you? during this project because you're on the clock too by the way i'm much stressed like it's it's not like you're just saying like oh i can just do this like you're trying to get this within a 40-day period so you're on limited time frame which adds a whole nother stress so i definitely wanted to put that reminder in there for the folks listening so i guess back to the question like yeah go through yeah. your mind to deal with those problems yeah no it's it's uh you move on the clock you eat on the clock you sleep on the clock you solve problems on the clock the clock's always running it's unrelenting i guess yeah. it's kind of like kind of like life the clock is always running in life too mm. um ooh philosophical um <laughs> anyways <laughs> um man it's like, i almost have trouble understanding the opposite like why would i give up um I don't know the things I would give up for absolutely medically significant things, especially if they would cause permanent damage. That's an obvious, like do not continue, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Um, obviously the finish line is a, is an exit and then not being physically capable of finishing it fast enough, I guess would be an exit. Um, and I think I think it's that my concept of doing these things isn't doing them because I want the idyllic part because I want the glory, because I want the, the happy outcome. I want the summit moments and the pretty flowers. Mm. I think I've been around the block enough to know that when I say I want to do something, I want to go on a grand adventure. 
what you're saying when you make that proclamation is I want all of the sideways shit that comes along with it too. I want the struggle. I want the darkness. I want the suffering. I want the self doubt. I want the problems. And I want to find that I am the person capable of carrying those things and still moving forward. And right then for me, an obvious way that my, my psyche and approach works, I mentioned earlier is I do so that I can teach. I become so that I can inspire. I climb so that I can lift others, right? Like, this is how I, I orient myself in the universe to, to, to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know, so that I don't become just some like self-absorbed asshole. Um, it's like, I'm doing these things because it helps me reach more people. And there's always this crazy possibility that my life will touch someone's life that wouldn't have been touched by anyone else's. And that that person will live a better life and impact all the people they ever touch better because they met me and because I was actually living the way I ought to live mm. trying to be the, the best version of myself as, as fully out there and, and on it and going big as I possibly can. And right. That's that like sits with me in the moments where stuff is coming unglued. Like in Montana, I mentioned in Montana where it's like, here I am trying to race these storms and my feet fall apart again that's never happened in a project. A second time, the feet just like coming apart down to just raw red skin. And, and so here I am like looking down, it's like checking my pace as I tender foot with every step, like to the point that the pain is like, I have to like actively try to not let it be the only thing I'm thinking about. It like mm. wants to overwhelm all other thinking. And, you know, that's with every step. And it's like, I'm trying to run these calculations. Like, am I still moving fast enough to beat the storms that are coming in according to the forecast? And my brain keeps going, no, you're not. You're literally going to suffer every step of the way. And you're going to get to four or five peaks to go. And you're going to have to bail out and lose four or five days to let the storms pass because you're too slow. Mm. And just having to sit with that. And then, of course, every other anxiety and an issue in my life wants to come flopping in on top of that. Like, oh, well, this is out of order in life and this thing happened. And, you know, you're going to have to face this when this project is done. And, you know, you're, a, you're you know, this person said you're shitty. Um, you know, it's like one thing after another wants to pile into that dark space, those anxieties, that nervousness, that self-doubt, um, that questioning. And so, like, I was just awash in that in that moment, just swimming in it. That was my reality. And I remember just continuing to find a way to move forward while just there was no light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Um, it was just like, I'm going to, you know, that guarantee, you know, even the best outcome that I could, you know, come up with in that moment in my mind is like, you know, the best I'm going to do is I'm going to look like an idiot who gets, you know, shut down by for four days, adds four extra days to his record with four peaks to go because he couldn't find a way to gut it out and get it done. Um, and, you know, sitting with those negative thoughts and I can remember finally sort of going, okay, all right, like this is why I'm here. Right. And it's like, I've been around the block to have had this epiphany before that, that I, I'm, I'm here for this moment where I'm experiencing as full and rich of an emotional set as I ever have as this human being that is Jason Hardrath. 
Now it's not positive in this particular instance. I mean, the nice part is you do get those, those positive emotions that are as full and rich as you've ever experienced when you do these sorts of things, but you also experience, right. It's, it's like some, in some sense, what we're signing up for when we consider our life a grand adventure and we make our life an adventure is to actually feel everything we could feel being the human that we are mm. and to have ended life knowing that we've pushed to those edges, everything we could have felt. And so I'm like at these edges, just swimming in it, right? That's one way to know you're at your edges is you're just lost in whatever you're experiencing. And you think like, oh my God, this is, I'm, I'm underwater. I'm not even treading water anymore. Um, and as I said, I remember noticing that and going, oh yeah, this is what I'm here for. Like if I want to have the lesson to teach my kids, if I want to be authentic, when I say it's worth it to put yourself together, it's worth it to chase adventure. It's worth it to, to struggle through obstacles and negative emotions and to, to find a way to keep moving forward when the hard times come. If I, if I want to be able to say those sorts of things as a teacher, this is my moment that makes it true. I need to go prove that right now. Like this is an example. This is embodied knowledge right here happening in front of me. And it was like in that moment as well, it's like, okay, however long you, you want to stay speaking to the feelings, however long you want to be here, be here. I'm going to make space for you. Hang out. If, if for five days, every step is going to feel like this and inside every step, I'm going to feel like this. Okay. So be it five mm -hmm. days like this. It's just five days. That's not my whole life. It's not forever. Five days. If I have to feel like this to see this dream through, so be it. I'm going to make space, stay however long you want. And it's like in that moment, right? Like making space to like feel as uncomfortable and in pain and with as much doubt as you've ever felt. Like, well, fundamentally, like you think about it, I used to be lost inside it. Like I was swimming inside it. It was bigger than me. And suddenly I was bigger than it. I'm making space for it to stay. And it's like, oh yeah, like this isn't my whole reality. I am more than just this feeling. And I think that's, you know, it's a pretty profound thing to realize with any struggle you're lost inside of when you realize like, oh, wait a minute, I can stare into this abyss and because I'm able to stand here and stare into it, I am more than just this abyss. And then it suddenly becomes where, oh, okay, well then I'll just, I'll keep staring. I'll keep staring until I realize it's not as deep as I thought it was. I'll keep carrying the emotions until the job is done or they decide they don't want to stick around anymore because it's not fun to pick on me. Um, and yeah, sure enough. I mean, it was still, there was probably a 20 hour push through the rest of that night. So I opened with a push through the night because it was like, as soon as the previous storm left, I'm like, I got to go. Like, don't worry about sleep. Don't worry about anything. Just get moving. Um, so I pushed straight through the first night and all throughout that first night and through that first day and into the second night, it was just like constant doubts and pain and frustration and nervousness and like these negative dark emotions and doubts. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until like 20, 20 hours in on that 20, 25 hours in on that 28 hour opening push that it's like, I kind of, it seemed like stuff simmered out. And then I slipped my shin open to the bone on a rock on Mount Peel and oh. had to tape it shut with some KT tape. Uh, <laughs> you know, this part, if, if people get weak stomachs, you know, you might skip for a few seconds. But yeah, basically I was on the, a steep snow field and I had to, obviously you don't get to just be like, oh, time out. Um, I'm bleeding. I, I cut myself really deep. 
So I like have to finish the climb across this snowfield, And every time I kick my foot in on the leg that's cut, it just splatters blood across the snow. So I'm leaving this like spray paint of blood across the steep snow field as I'm, as I'm climbing. And, you know, it's like, I could tell, like I was assessing it. I know what I'm doing. I've like had to take a lot of uh, wilderness first aid and all that. It's like, yeah, it's bleeding, but it's not bleeding so bad that it's like, I'm in big trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, I just need to kind of get it taped shut and get it taken care of. And I can assess it better in the morning. I can assess it better later. Um, when I'm not on dangerous terrain. So I just kick the rest of these steps across and, you know, just leave this trail of trail of blood. Um, and that was, yeah, just kind of what the experience was like. And I think there was actually something in that moment where I just sat with that and I just solved it by like taping it shut with some KT tape and it's like, yep, here we are. Like, this is, this is it. You know, you're going to keep going. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, so yeah, I had plenty of excuses to give up plenty of things that would have been a, a reasonable time to, to call it. Um, but I don't know, there's a part of me, right. Cause to a degree, one of the things we want to know, like, why would you bother to step into a physical adventure? Um, we want to know that when shit gets real, when adversity is screaming in our face, that we'll stand and scream right back, that we'll hold our ground that will scream back at the storm, do your worst. And we don't want to be the person that melts, that kneels, that gets washed away in the face of adversity. That's not what we want to find out about ourselves. Um, you know, cause in some sense it's like you want to get to the end of life and look that guy in the mirror and be like, fuck, I'm proud of you, dude. Like you did it. Like in the moments where it got real, you stuck with it. And it was like, I kind of knew in this moment that it's like, this is to some degree, this is still possible. There's still hope. And I want to be the kind of man that when there's hope, I go right up until the moment that the storms are coming down and I do have to bail with four peaks to go. Not the kind of person that gives up because, well, it doesn't seem like I'm going to make it and I'm going to have to give up with four peaks to go. Right. There's a difference between how you can look yourself in the mirror between those two things. If you truly went into the storm and hit the limit, like even if you fail, you can look yourself in the mirror and be like, that was real. That was all the way, like right up, right up into the storm. I stayed with it. And then, yeah, like the world dealt its hand back to me and the, the world won, you know, but I went right up until that moment. And I, and that that was me embodying the kind of person I am, like who I care to be. And I just knew like in the moment, like, this is who I care to be. Like, this isn't for anybody else. This is me with me. Like Jason Hardrath has to sit with Jason Hardrath for the rest of his life. And well, as silly as as it is, I've chosen these types of things. So if I'm going to do them, I better do them. And I guess that like, at least in somewhat as best as my 34 year old mind can wrap up and package, like why move forward in the face of adversity. It's that it's that it's that we have to sit with ourselves for the rest of our lives and that how we carry, carry on in the hard moments of life is what we have to offer others. Mm. And if those, if those two things aren't two of the most valuable things we can have in life, Um, well then I don't know what is. 
So dude. Yeah. So freaking good. There were so many moments where I got chills. I got emotional, like just thinking about it. Cause I think we've all been in those scenarios where like you, I think you painted it so perfectly vivid was, you know, you feel like you're just underwater and you're drowning and you're in it. But when you were describing the two things that kind of shifted, number one, it's like, we signed up for this. Like a lot of the times, like what draws people to endurance? Like, of course it, you know, the accomplishment can be great and everything, but like, we love the stories where it's like shit went wrong and I conquered it or it was freaking tough. And like, I tested my limits and I, con- it's like, we sign up for that. And in the moments when we're in it, we, we, it's easy to forget it. Right. Because like, it's just so overwhelming. So I love that you talk, talk about that. And then number two, talking about being able to create space for what you're feeling, because I think it can be so easy to just want to resist it or want to make it stop or ignore it or, and like those, those tools can come in use, right? It can be useful to, you know, like you saying before, sometimes your mind's on the pain, you want to get off of it. But when it is so loud that it becomes almost like impossible to, to ignore it, resisting it can almost push us to that point where we want to just quit. Whereas like, if we just recognize, like you said, like it's the human reality to, feel these things and it's okay to feel these things and it's okay to make space for like, man, that's just so freaking powerful because like we want to create that story of overcoming like those things so we can share the lesson, man. Like I love that so much because like you're just, you, I, the thing that I really appreciate about you just hearing your story, even just on this and, and the last conversation we had is you have this great ability to zoom out in the moments when it's so easy to zoom into the second, right? Because when we're in that second, it sucks. Like, it's just like, <laughs> like you said, like everything's going wrong. But to your point, you even said like, it's only five days. It's only, you know, one step. It's like, but you zoom out and take that bigger picture. I mean, that's, that's a skill beyond belief, man. So I got to say, like, it, I, I think you do that and explain it just so powerfully. And I think it's a skill that like everyone needs to master for sure. Yeah, no, th- thank you for the compliment. I mean, obviously I put a huge amount of value and I derive a huge amount of value for who I am in this world from having put myself together to be able to say something that's helpful mm. to people with the experience we share together. And to know to know that that's landing, it means a lot. Um, it means worlds, right? Um Cause you know, otherwise what, what good, what good is all this? If I can't, can't at least say one or two things that help somebody go, fuck. Yeah. That's, that's what I was missing. That's what I need. That's the next step. Um, I'm going to take that and add it to my quiver so that the next time I'm out there in the real, real, um, I can sit with it better. And I mean, that's why we're all here, right? It's like, why do we do anything in, in some sense, it's like we choose, you know, in, in, in the best case scenario, right? We find something that grabs us, right? You know, mm-hmm. we talk about the spirit of adventure, the spirit of sport. Like, it's like we tend to look at stuff at the individual, like on the X and Y axis. It's like, here's an individual and I do this much sport and this much work and this much of this thing. And I like art in this way. It's like we just look at this cross section of our own life at a single moment in time. And you can turn that whole thing on end to where you're, you know, looking at the Z axis and looking down the X axis instead. And suddenly it's like each of those things that are just a cross section as we're looking at them in our life 
are these like animating forces, right? Mm. These spirits that have animated human beings throughout all of time. Like men have been drawn into the mountains since there have been mountains and men. People have been drawn to adventure since there were places to go that hadn't been gone to, right? Like these things have animated people that have caused them to like go out and try something and fail and then be like, this matters so much. I'm going to become better to go again, even though Mm. I failed, even though it hurt, even though it sucked. Um, Like I'm going to go back and we can read these great stories of others doing this. It's like, man, what was driving them? It's like, well, there's this like through line throughout all of time of this spirit of adventure, this spirit of, of sport that causes us to like become animated when it takes us to put ourselves together. And it's right. There can be like music, there can be art, right? Other things take people as well and cause people to put themselves together better. But you and I, we, you know, the people listening here by and large, like we understand it through the physical realm. And it's like when we step into these things and we bother to go like dive in as deep and far as we can go and to aim at big audacious goals, it gives us permission to almost become ambassadors to invite others in where Mm. like we become a model of what's possible to that person. Even if it's just like, right. Even if it was just rewind in time and it's just my, just my sixth grade or my fourth grade PE class, like me telling them a story of going and running a race and then being like, Whoa, that's possible. Like, yeah, yeah. Like let's, let's go outside and run on the track and have a little example. We'll run a little race today. And like adults do this all the time. It's a whole realm. There's all sorts of places you can go to, to run races. Right. And like unlocking a whole new world that can take and animate them and cause them to be like, oh, I don't want to go to the, the drinking party. I'd rather I'd rather go do this cool thing and, and become something and accomplish something. It feels way better than just like spiraling to nowhere. Um, and it's like, man, to, to have permission to invite people into these grand adventures that cause them to, to have the motivational force to put themselves to better, together into a better version of themselves that again, then, you know, to talk about like, that means that they're a better person for every single person they meet for the rest of their lives. Mm. Um, it's like the net impact of us all participating in this way with the, with the sports and passions that animate us and going all in on it. It's like, that's not just selfish. That like, what is the collective list lift on society when you zoom all the way out and you think about like, oh yeah, you go run the 5k and then suddenly your running club, you know, the two overweight people are like, I'm going to try to run my five, my first 5k. And then they do. And then you watch over the next decade as they go 10k, half marathon, marathon, ultra marathon, 50 miler. Right. And suddenly they're fit and they're like not struggling, you know, to keep up with their kids anymore. And they're happier at home and they're right. Suddenly their, their life takes on a new balance and a new forum and a new like. And I, I, I don't make that up. Like I've literally been a part of a running club where I watched multiple people live out that very story arc. Yeah. And it's like this is the power what we're participating in has. And I think we're so used to all the inside conversations that sometimes we forget that that mm. it's like the difference between having this thing that makes it worth it to lean into discomfort that gives us a, a, a structural narrative for interpreting, interpreting discomfort and interpreting struggle and setting goals that that all works out as worth it. The amount of impact that has to, you know, the general public to, to people who haven't been exposed to that wisdom and that knowledge and like lived out an experience to make it emotionally real and relevant to them it's like, it's hugely powerful. It radically alters how their lives flow. 
And, and that's what we're dabbling with. That's what we're playing. And that's what we get to be ambassadors of. Um, and, and that's not nothing. That's absolutely something. So someone can, yeah, tell me it's like, dude, you're not curing cancer. You're not, you're not sending rockets to the moon, dude. You're kind of a loser. You're a PE teacher. Come on. But yeah, that's still not nothing, right? Like I'm still impacting kids' lives. I've still been given permission to speak on stages to hundreds of people. I still get to have conversations like this that, you know, even if 10 people were to listen to this, which I know you have a lot more listeners than that, but even if something horrible happened and only 10 people and only one of those people that got just like, was like, this was what my heart needed. Like, holy cow. Like, yes, full throttle, move forward. Let's go. Like, cool. My life's worth it. Dude. You know? Oh, and I will tell you, first of all, you were far from a loser, my friend. And anyone like, first of all, being a teacher is amazing. Like impacting our kids. Like, dude, I, I think that is on par with some of the other like prestigious careers. I think one of the most important thing is, you know, making an impact on our youth, right? Like, I'm sure you agree, like being in the teacher space. So, and far from a loser, just in terms of the things that you're doing out there, man, like you are a winner in every definition of my book. And to your point, like with it impacting, I mean, I'll even for, for myself, I mean, we were kind of talking before you and I both have like a billion things going on in our life. Like obviously you've had a billion plus, you know, 40 peaks, uh, to in, in, the <laughs> or 40 days worth of climbing peaks in, in the, uh, in the time, 122 peaks, I should say. Um, but for me, man, I, I, I've been juggling so much in life and like, there's been the times where I have felt the same feelings that you've had in those moments. And so hearing you go through that has just even inspired me like to, you know, cause I've been in those situations where it's like, I have so much going on. It's like, how do I, how do I like get out of this? But it's like, you know, maybe we're, we're just, this is what I signed up for and this is what I'm going to do. And overcoming this thing is going to allow me to inspire others. So just want to let you know, like even, I know there's tons of people listening too, but you've inspired me as well, my friend, because I think it's just, uh, awesome to be able to look at like how you're able to, to handle those situations, not just in the endurance thing, but in overall life, which is the crux of what you've been explaining here. It's not just a mountains thing. It's not just a hiking thing. Like this is a life thing. This is, this is, you know, how to operate as a person, not just an athlete. And I, I love that that's the embodiment that you take towards these things, right? Cause it's just so much more than the miles. It's so much more than the peaks. It's so much more than that stuff. It's, it's the human element. And I love how you explain that in, in the stories that we get enamored by. I mean, like, I think it's, one of the reasons why, you know, like you see so many people drawn to like a David Goggins or like, you know, uh, even you, right. A lot of people are very drawn to you. Like we're inspired by people who do great things because I think we see what we can become through those people. Right. It's, I, I think that's just such an exciting thing to have on there. Like, I'm, I'm curious for you, like when you're, I guess like, talking about because you you mentioned you're talking on stage obviously you're on this podcast talking to and I'm sure you talk with kids but like where what is like the main message like you like to communicate i mean we talked about so many messages on here but like if someone's coming to you let's just say like they're even listening to this podcast right now and they're just kind of str- they're, they're really struggling they're they're trying to figure out like whether it is like a training plan or trying to like fit their training in or hit a goal or you know maybe just extracurriculars in life as as we all know like endurance athletes are just so busy like just with training alone but we're people who like to do so many things like what's the what's the thing that you would you would tell that person i guess right now who's who's really looking to 
maximize their life. And maybe a lesson that, you know, you took away from the Rocky Mountain Slam to kind of bring the bring the things full circle here. Um I guess, you know, a simple, straightforward lesson from the Rocky Mountain Grand Slam. It gets harder before it gets better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, there's gonna be some storms to wade through and maybe even worse storms are on the forecast. But, you know, if it's something you truly care about, if it's something you can see the value for yourself and, and the value for your community, the value for your family. Um, I wept when I crossed the finish line Mm. of the Rockies grand slam. I wept for all the burdens I carried. I wept for how much it was to make this, this dream in actuality. And even while it all still hurt, it was all worth it. Mm. Right. And that's, that's a powerful thing, right? That's what, you know, essentially you boil it all the way down. It's like, that's what love does in the face of suffering. Mm. Right. Cause what is it when we chase our passions, our passions are the things we love doing. It's the expression of love for activities, for things, for behaviors. Um, and so in a sense, letting, letting the love guide you forward is going to make the suffering worth carrying. And I think that can give a lot of clarity. And that's, that's the other thing I would say is if you're, if you're struggling to put, put yourself together, you're struggling to like get on some new habits, you're struggling to start a new tra- training plan or stop doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing with your diet or whatever it may be. I think getting really clear, maybe having someone help you get really clear, whether that's a trusted friend who you admire and respect, whether that's a coach or a therapist, um, having someone help you get clear is going to be a huge step forward. Cause I think that's been one of the most valuable things in my own life is, is clarity. It's one of the things I value the most in my closest friends Mm. is, can they speak clarity into my, into my life? Can they see something about me that maybe in the moment or overall I'm blind to, can they see something that's important to me that I've lost touch with Mm. and speak it back into my view? you know, give me that clarity. And I value this. I value the same. I value that in my friends and they value that in me. I was just having a long conversation last night with a friend who's a very successful photographer. And he was kind of like struggling with some nonprofit work he was doing and this da, 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 da. And it's like, well, man, it's like, you know, in a way you can do a lot if you're a part of an organization that's on the same trajectory. Like you see this arc out in front of you of life and what you want to accomplish. It's like obviously way better have a team. But if the trajectory of this organization is no longer going the direction, cause he kind of helped found it and helped, uh, we was one of the people that got it started. And now it just kind of feels like it's not the same fit it used to be. It's like, if, if it's not going to actually make it so that you can like look yourself in the mirror at the end of life and be like, yeah, I did everything I could do. Well, then it's obvious. Like you have to step out of it. Like it's mm-hmm. no question. You have to go run the experiment to find the thing that allows you to better actualize the real trajectory and, you know, finding someone. And he's like, shit, I hadn't thought about it like that. Like, I'm going to go mull on this for a few days. You may have just like given me the thing I needed. Um, it's like, that's one of the most beautiful things we can do for anyone. And also it's like, if you're struggling, 
that clarity is probably what you need. If mm. you're kind of awash in all these options and it's like, well, how do I create momentum with something forward? Just get someone you trust to kind of like be like, dude, obviously this like friend, uh, this thing, you talk about it all the time. You've always said you wanted to do this. You seem to really care about it. You get excited and animated anytime you talk about it and you haven't done it yet. So, you know, just that's the thing. Do it. <laughs> and you're like, ah, yeah, I guess that is it. <laughs> uh, like sometimes that's what we need. We just need someone, someone we trust, someone who sees us to, to go, yeah, no, clearly this is the thing. And then it's like, oh, well, this other stuff I was worried about, that can go over here for later. And right now, let's do the thing that, that, you know, clearly seems like the best option. So maybe that's, maybe that's some advice for someone that's trying to find a way forward while muddled in options and distractions, which it is so easy to be right. Our society is designed to distract us at this Mm. point. Like that's, you know, you know, that's what social media is designed to do is hold our attention indefinitely. Um, so yeah, clarity and a singular direction, a way to, 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 bring the blinders in and go, this is what I should be doing. Any process you can build into your life, whether that's friends or a specific way you journal, um, whatever it might be that like hones your thinking down to a single thing. Um, in today's society, that's going to be of incredible value in the long run. It might seem kind of sucky in the short term, right? You might FOMO and be like, well, but I'm going to miss out on all this. It's like, yeah, I was just talking with my students today. I was like, yeah, never raising your hand to answer a question in the short term feels like a really good strategy. It really does. It really does. It seems great. You know, cause I'd like notice students that weren't like raising their hands at all to answer questions. Like, man, it seems like such a great strategy. You, you never have to deal with that worry, that fear, that anxiety. Nobody's coming on the day you do your first job interview you have to answer every single question Hmm. and someone's going to be interviewing for the same job who always raised their hand to answer questions and they're going to beat you. It's not a good long-term strategy. It's not a good long-term strategy. We got it. We got to choose things that in the, in the short term kind of hurt a little bit. Some right. This is what our sport teaches us. Do the uncomfortable workout for the next eight weeks And in eight weeks from now, you're faster. You know, it's like we got to lean into those things that are uncomfortable strategies in the here and now, like saying, I'm not going to pay attention to all this. I'm not going to do all these things with my friends. I'm not going to be like, oh, I should do a little of this and a little of that. And I should dabble with this thing and try to also attend to this and make sure I show up to this social function. Instead, it's like I'm going to write down the things that or I'm going to talk with my friend who gives me clarity to hone down the thing I should be doing. And then blinders go on and I'm going to go do that thing. And I'm going to go live fully expressing that dream instead of trying to live tiny bits through all these little things that just never fully manifest into anything meaningful. And I think, well, you know, when I describe it like that, it's pretty clear which of those is probably a more gratifying long-term way to live. Um, At least I know which way it is for me. So not that I don't get distracted, right? I'm ADHD. I'm, my brain's all over the place, but but it seems that somehow I've landed on a way for a very long time now to be extremely obsessed and dedicated with the things I know are important to me. And, you know, I get to, I get to speak into people's lives now because of it. So I, I think that that, that speaks 
to itself for why would you want to bother to hone down and really apply your craft, really, mm-hmm. really hone your craft, apply your trade, make it happen. Chop wood and carry water. <laughs> Chop wood and carry water, dude. So many great nuggets there as, as has just been the entire conversation here. Like I think having that ability to really talk with someone else, whether it be a therapist, a coach, a friend, like it just, it kind of is in that same mindset of what you were talking about earlier, like getting out of the drowning, right? Because when you have someone seeing a third person objective view, it can be easy. It's actually interesting because I heard one of my friends or colleagues, I should say friend and colleague. um, She was saying that sometimes when she's having a tough decision, she like sees someone else like random person on the street and just says, if this person had this issue and they came up to me, like, what would I say to them? And it's like an easier decision. It's just such an interesting phenomenon. It's like when we get out of our own heads, like it can be easy to see the answer ahead. And I love that. And and I I think that's so cool how, you know, you did it with your friend and you're talking with your friends and, and really having those support resources, which are amazing. And I love how you have that emphasis on clarity. Like I 100% agree with you. Like, so many times, like when I chat with other people or people write in, they're like, should I do this 50K or should I do this FKT or should I do this thing? And I'm like, well, what do you want? Right. It's not like, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like, what do you want? Like, that's, that's like the thing, like the only right answer is if it aligns with what you want. And, and I totally can understand and you, you know, like, like perfectly, like there's just so much distraction in social media. And it's like, I want to do this race because like I saw like other people are doing it. It's like, what do you want to do that thing? Because that what you really want. And, and I guess I, I want to talk about like the film that you talk about too, to, to wrap things up before we do, like just to pull on this thread just a little bit, what are maybe some questions that you ask yourself that help to give you clarity in the times when you need it most? Like, are there questions that you ask yourself, right? Because there are pro- like, there are some moments, right? Like you're on the peaks in, in the Rockies, there's no one there. And like, are you asking yourself certain questions in those moments or even just life in general? Like, because sometimes maybe people aren't there. Like, are there key questions that maybe you ask yourself on a recurring basis to help you get more clear in those moments? Um, I already mentioned this one, but I meet myself in the mirror. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. It's like, okay, uh, here I am inside of a moment with a decision in front of me. Let's go step in front of the mirror, you know, tomorrow, five years from now, Mm -hmm. 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Can I look myself in the mirror with, with the decision and which decision am I going to be able to look myself in the mirror with more pride and a, and a better sense of honor, Hmm. um, for, for having taken which, which path will I be proud of that man? Um, so yeah, I meet myself in the mirror, um, along with that kind of embedded in that, right. Is like getting back to the roots of how stoked would eight year old me be seeing me out doing this right now. Like it might be hard, it might be difficult, but how absolutely, stoked would he be that I'm out ripping on what I'm ripping on, living the adventures I'm living, getting to be the person I'm being and speaking to others and having it be meaningful and matter to them and people care, um, having it help people and be good for people. Um, God, he'd be fucking stoked. Like, holy shit, it all works out. Um, so reconnecting with that kid for sure. And then, you know, in the same vein, like knowing like the end of life is coming. 
like at some point I'm going to be sitting, sitting at the end of my life. And I know that I want to live in a way that I have as few, I wish I would have as possible. I want to mm -hmm. be proud of how I spent the time. I want, I want to admire the decisions I made to live boldly. That's how I want to close out my final days is reflecting on amazing memories of bold decisions lived. And, you know, I think those, those give a ton of clarity on, on decision-making, you know, cause I know what kid me was into and if he was stoked and excited about it, there's gotta be some part of adult me that's still stoked and excited about it. That's why, you know, I was the kid that couldn't sit still, that it was always rambunctious, climbing all over everything, running all over everything, just uncontrollable and impulsive. And so here I am, this adult that's willing to drop a wild adventure, like jump into a wild adventure at a drop of a hat to go run all over stuff and climb all over stuff and take risks and do wild things. It's like, it was valuable then, it's valuable now. And I'm going to be proud of having exercised that fully when I'm no longer allowed to be the person, right? When my physical body no longer allows me to be the person who can be doing the wildest adventures. And I'll get to live on the long tail of having built the fitness necessary to have done those things and at least still be doing some cool stuff. But I'm going to be able to look back proudly that it's like, yeah, when I could, I did. Right. Cause it's such a glimmering moment. We get to like lean in fully to expressing ourselves in the domains that we care about most. Like, well, you know, if someone could be like, well, no, you like, we live a long life and ultra athletes, like they peak really late and you can do it for a long time. So yeah, even if you're doing it into your fifties, like that's still like me, that's 20 summers. If, mm. if I was able to last into my fifties, well, really like 16 summers now, like 16 summers left is not that many. Mm. Um, and so it's like, there's this, this finitude to life that I, so I've always been in touch with. And I think that's motivating for me as well. It's just like being present with my own mortality and just how short that really is. And it's like, man, I better get to work. Like I better go, go do these things. And, and move forward in life. Cause it's like, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be old. I'm going to wake up someday and I'm just going to be old. And that was one of my greatest fears. Like graduating college was waking up 30 years later and wondering what I did with my life. Um, and it's like, whew, like I better go live. Cause that's getting increasingly less far away. Um, so yeah, I guess maybe that's a, a set of answers to, to your question there. Dude. And so good. I mean, especially the, the two, the one it's like, would your younger self be stoked? Cause I think like it, it's, we, someone once told me, it's like, usually, you know, you're living right now, like what you dreamed about a while ago. And sometimes we can get into that mode. I know like for me, it's like, Oh, I want more. I want more. I want more. And I'm struggling and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, Hey, like you as a kid, this is what you wanted, you know, like this is where you're at. And I think reminding ourselves of that is just so freeing. And then also too talking about being aware of your mortality, like dude, every time, like you were saying, like I got 16, something like that's like, I mean, yeah. Cause like people here 16 years and they're like, yeah, like that's time. But then you boil it down into like 16 summers or like you know, you only get so many like things like, or you see like the, there's posters, right. Of like, it has like the dots of like all the months that you have like left to live. And it's like, Whoa, like when you really look at it, it's like, the, like you said before, the clock's always ticking on life. 
we have that realization that gets us that ability to to chase epic things, man. And dude, this this podcast was amazing. I I, I this was just awesome. And I, I think, you know, our first conversation was amazing. And this one was just unbelievable as well, my friend. Like I'm so inspired by this and just so motivated. It's, it's exactly what I needed to hear. And I'm sure it's going to be the same for, for everyone else listening to this episode too. And the cool thing is too, like it doesn't just end at this episode, right? Obviously I want people to follow you on social media and all the stuff you're doing. So anyone listening, I'll put Jason's links uh, in the show notes, social media, website, YouTube, everything on there. Please check out his content and follow into his world. And speaking of content, you have a, you, you teased us with something exciting coming out later this year. And, uh, so, so instead of just teasing us, let us know, uh, what's coming out in October, or if you're listening to this in October, what they can, uh, listen to now. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, um, I may have started an impossible project. Um, the first part of it, uh, I went down to the tallest volcano in North America, Pico de Orizaba in Mexico. And a, a route I've talked about many times on various podcasts, because it was just such a meaningful, like transformative experience in my adventure career, in my athlete career, uh, in my journey to 100 FKTs was the Rainier Infinity Loop. And that was thought up by late, late American climber, Chad Kellogg. It was just like a dream kind of project. But then he passed away in Patagonia before he ever got to do it. And some of his friends went and, and created the route and established the first ever time on the Rainier Infinity Loop. But what I realized is he never intended it as just like, oh, this is only for Rainier. It's like, this is meant for any freestanding mountain. And I'm like, okay, having read a bit about Chad and his friends and had conversations with different people in this community who kind of like loves this effort and how it's this intimate, like incredible experience with a volcano. I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool to take this to like some global volcanoes, some of the biggest in the world. And I came across the volcanic seven summits list, which is just like the seven summits list, tallest peak on each continent, except it's the tallest volcano on each continent. And so it's like, oh, great. I may have just found myself an impossible project because I have no idea how at this point how to fund a Antarctica trip. I don't know if Russia is ever going to, you know, get their crap together and stop being at war. Um, I don't know if Iran will let an American climber in right now. Um, so it's like there's some roadblocks to figure out, but it's like that makes it interesting. Um, and so anyways, had to go start right before I even can see the road ahead. It's like this is a cool adventure. Let's jump in. And I'd been to Pico de Arizaba before, so I kind of knew the logistics. Um, managed to get Kevin Issa, um, an, you know, an incredible creator, to jump in on this project. Um, it was kind of his first more adventure-type film, so it was a little bit of a new experience for him, um, even though he's very experienced in kind of making a lot of content um, in, a, in different domains. And you know, we jumped in, and he had his buddy Hayden also come film, and I invited a younger athlete, uh, Nathan Longhurst, to come along with me because I'm kind of I've reached a point where it's like I want I don't just want to go solo stuff and like have my own personal gauntlet. It's like I want to share adventures and experiences with others. And, you know, Nathan had a strong track record. We'd climbed 65 of the Bulger's Peaks together in Washington. So there was a strong rapport and trust between us. Uh, but he's 23. He's at the top of his game right now. He's like super fast in ultra distance. He's climbing 513B. He's skiing like professional level coulars, like first descents and things like that in the winter. Like just this athlete where it's like, wait, you can do what? And you can do what? And you can do what? Um, and so I invite this this kid, right? And 
Meanwhile, I've like gone through health problems and I'm like having issues with this, issues with that. My hape gets triggered. So I'm like fighting high altitude pulmonary edema. And the film captures just this sort of like tension and like ungluing and unraveling on the human level that wants to start happening and how we we battle through that. And well, I guess we'll leave it open ended as to whether it gets resolved. Um, And that's that's all captured in this film, uh, Journey to Infinity is the title of the film um and it's going to release in october and yeah yeah i hope that people will uh will watch it so i'm excited to excited to share oh man well i know i'm excited to to dive into that because to again like you know there's the things that we deal with physically but the things that are mentally are, are usually the hardest things to deal with and always the ones that really make or break the experience. So to see you go through that with, you know, the, your companion that you were out there with and and seeing where that transpired, like I'm excited to to dive into it. And for anyone listening, if you uh, are listening to this before the release in October, um, just be on the lookout for that. And again, I'll put all Jason's social links below. So I'm sure he'll post it when it goes out. And if you're listening to this post October when it's released, check the show notes and it'll be in there for you to, to watch right away because, uh, man, I'm sure it's going to be super epic, my friend. And if it's anything like this conversation, I know it's going to be absolutely inspiring because this totally was for me, my friend. And I know you've been on the show in the past. And so, um, I think even last time we, we, I don't know, I'm not sure if we actually made it to, to the final question because I know we were running short on time, but, uh, we'll, we'll actually give you the question now that I ask all the guests that come on the show. And that is, because this show is called everyday ultra and our goal is to help our listeners be better endurance athletes every day. What can our listeners do every single day to be a better endurance athlete? Mm, Every single day. I mean, the simplest thing is show up for yourself. I mean, you know, in the, in the moment that you know, you need to get to bed, right. Starts the night before, you know, get yourself to bed, you know, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. Mm-hmm. Right? Think of think of someone you've cared for and loved in the past that needed your help and needed your care. Maybe they were injured, maybe they were old, and you know, maybe they're a kid. And it's your responsibility to help them. Sometimes it helps to frame it this way. Like look at yourself, like, okay, what would I say to me if I came across me and I knew what my goals were? Like I knew me well and I could see me here doing this. And it's like, okay, I better get me to bed. Um okay, now that I've gotten myself to bed, now I can get myself up in the morning, right? I can eat the things I'm supposed to eat to start the day, get that morning workout in if that's the time that I have to do my workout. Um, yeah, I think I think it starts with that showing up for yourself and treating yourself like someone, maybe I'll even say worth helping. Hmm. Right? Maybe sometimes some of us in the ultra community, we we don't always have the best relationship with ourselves. And so subtly down in there, we're not someone that we think we should take care of. It's like, no, treat yourself like someone worth taking care of, like someone you love who's worth taking care of and see where that takes you. Um, yeah. Yeah. That should be helpful. Dude. So good, man. So, so good. And you know, on the head, I think the, because we ultra endurance people, like we, want always so much more to ourselves that can sometimes be that, you know, come to the detriment of like thinking we're not enough or thinking like that we're, you know, not worth something more. Right. And so to, to frame it in that way, to be able to like, Hey, 
take care of yourself like someone we're taking care of, which we're all worth taking care of ourselves. Every single one of us listening here, man, that advice is absolutely incredible. So Jason, you are also incredible, my friend. This was a gem of a conversation, man. So amazing. And uh, man, I, I could not thank you enough for, for coming on the podcast, man. This is a real treat. Yeah, same for me. Thanks. Thanks for an all time conversation. An all time conversation indeed, my friend. And I'm sure there'll be a part three in the future for sure once uh, you're up to some other crazy ass adventure for sure. <laughs> Not done yet. Not done yet. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So that's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day. And we'll see you real soon. Take care.